RACGP President Dr. Harry Nespolin passed away aged 57 following a battle with pancreatic cancer. He died peacefully in his sleep nine months after being first diagnosed. Dr. Nespolin was a great advocate for general practice in technology and a supporter of health tech innovation in Australia. He was a wonderful clinician and a great businessman taken from us far too soon. I had a chat with Harry back in November last year, and back then the idea of Medicare-funded telehealth being a reality only five months later seemed almost unthinkable, but it came into fruition thanks to his tireless efforts to instigate meaningful change at a critical time at a policy level. Harry's paved the way for great developments within primary care for many years to come, and he'll be sorely missed. Here are some of the highlights of my conversation with him late last year. The next discussion I had was with Dr. Harry Nespolin, the president of the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners, or the RSDGP. Harry was moderating a panel session called, What Do We Want From Health Software and How Do We Get It? As president of the RSDGP, Harry represents the 40,000 GPs in Australia, as well as those in training. So his insights into the wants and needs of family practitioners while moderating this panel session were invaluable to all the attendees. Hey, Harry, thanks for joining. No worries. It's uh, been an interesting morning. It has. We've just finished the. You've just finished uh, moderating a, a panel with a few different speakers. And what, what were some of those key messages that came out of that panel session? Do you think? Well, I think the biggest message is about interoperability. And even though it's it is a difficult thing to do technically, I understand that it's not that difficult to do technically. I think the real issue that comes out is the the sort of the policy and the politics um, about boundaries between state and Commonwealth funding, really. And there's such a huge benefit out there for patients to have their information and their physicians have that information available to them at their fingertips. It not only saves money and time, but it also helps patients relieve their anxiety about a lot of issues, especially if they have to wait for potentially bad news. Mm. The other important issue is about who pays, um, which is a very important issue. It's all very well and good to want the gold standard and that's what we all aim for but somebody has to actually pay for it and often it's just left to the industry to somehow pick up the tab Mm. and so uh, part of the I think the discussion was about who derives the benefit of the value from changes as GPs we're often asked to do a whole lot of things for which we don't derive the value but other parts of the system derive benefits and we fairly, I think, are looking to gain some of that value. Look, it's often spoken about, but rarely ever delivered. And the same would, I presume, should be um, equally fair to the software industry. If they are delivering value that saves money in the system, then perhaps those savings should be passed on to the software industry. And so you, as president of the RSCGP, you represent the GPs in Australia. Does what was discussed out there in the panel and what you've just mentioned, does that represent some of the major concerns from GPs or are there other things that general practitioners really need from the technology industry? Well, look, general practice in really simple terms sells time. So if we're spending our time with patients, which is what we want to do, and spend as much time with patients, we don't want to be spending 10 minutes on the phone ringing up a local hospital to find out a, an x-ray report mm. um, or trying to track a specialist down somewhere in, in a hospital if they're in theatre or something like that. Mm. So what we're looking for, I think, is, is better workflow, and it sounds pretty boring, 
But what it means is that it takes away time that's spent inefficiently. The other issues that will develop in general practice over the next 10 years will be moving away from the general practitioner being the sole repository of all information and all knowing to being able to delegate to the rest of the general practice team to use their skills appropriately. But the issue is about following the money. At the moment, Medicare only will generate a rebate if you see the patient face-to-face. Yes. And that's an incredibly inefficient system in 2019. It was an incredibly inefficient system in 2000. (laughs) And so what we need to be able to do is things like telehealth, be able to pay for capitated-type events, So people with chronic and complex problems should be able to be taken care of by nurses and other healthcare professionals. But at the end of the day, general practice is a small business and you've got to invest enough in it to provide those services. And until the government's willing to change the way that it funds general practice, and there is some light, there is the over 70s program that's being developed by the Commonwealth at the moment mm. as an example, and, and that would be a good system. But we've also got to remember that the reason why often a lot of these chronic care fundings failed is because they've tried to take over everything. Uh, And last question for you, Harry, in 2020 then, more broadly for the RACGP, what are some of the key initiatives that uh, you'll be working on? So what we're looking for is a few things. In chronic care, we need to reward general practitioners for doing all the work that isn't uh, face-to-face, and there is quite a considerable amount of that, and we're hoping that the new over-70s program delivers that. With acute care, we're very keen that we move away from just a rebate system where We've got this ridiculous system where if you want to charge a fee, that patient has to pay the whole fee up front. It really would be much more sensible and certainly technologically available where the rebate is still billed to the government and the patient pays a fee. What that will tend to do is actually lower the fees overall because it costs less to collect them. Mm. Um, And what it does do is it provides really important capital for general practice. And so they're two of the most important things. The other issue in the longer term is that a lot more services will be moving into general practice over time as generalists. Mm. And the government at the moment, I don't think, is supporting training sufficiently. We're looking at almost what's happening in the UK at the moment where they've got the various parties are talking about recruiting 6,000 new GPs into the NHS. I'm not sure where you find GPs. They don't live under rocks. <laughs> I'm not sure whether they're going to be able to import them from yeah. overseas. So. The healthcare system is very interconnected and so if you do want better primary care health services, you need primary healthcare physicians and what that means is that better support for training of general practitioners and that's another area that we'll be working on. Amazing. A lot to do in 2020. Thanks for coming in the studio here. It's, it's between us and the lunchroom <laughs> so I'll let you get back out and see all the, the, the members. Thank you so much. No for worries. Thanks for listening to Talking Health Tech. My name is Peter Birch. Make sure you go check out our website for all our resources, including this podcast and the largest directory of technology solutions available to Australian healthcare practitioners today. Until next time, I'm out of here.